Welcome into the Nebraska 24-7 podcast. I'm Mike Schaefer, joined by Michael Brunts, Brian Christofferson. It is Wednesday afternoon. Nebraska still doesn't have a win, but if you're listening to this podcast, I assume you already knew that. Gentlemen, you how think are you? You think you just broke that to somebody? Well, Somebody's I, like, I mean, holy just... crap, they're 0-3. 0-4, they think they're 0-4, because they might not even know about the Akron Yeah, that's a good point. Are you imagining some guy like emerging from the jungle like... He's been gone for the last five years. Brad finds out Nebraska's 0-3. I, I like the idea that the, one of the first things he did was fire up the old podcast. <laughs> he found our... A podcast he didn't know. Do you today. think his reaction to the 0-3 or his reaction to Scott Frost as head coach would be stronger? There's a lot of confusing things going well, on in that guy's head. Five, five years ago when this guy went into the, the jungle. Mike Riley was just a... Guy up in Oregon. Yeah. That he didn't even know who Mike Riley didn't even know was. about Mike Riley. So he's like, oh, so Scott replaced Bo Pelini. Huh. That's Did Bo Pelini win a bunch and someone <laughs> hired him away? Yeah. He, won. <laughs> he won the Big Ten Championship game in 2012 and then immediately went to Miami that next that next week. That's what that guy assumes. Yeah. <laughs> wow. Do-do-do-do. That guy. It's very specific. But no. Yeah, why'd you use that specific example? Like, it could have happened. Or it, it wouldn't have been Miami. It would have been Tennessee. Or Tennessee, yeah. Bo Pelini and Rocky Top. And Creamsicle. Man. All right, let's move off of that as, <laughs> as quickly know. as we can. Nebraska lost against Michigan in a game in which <laughs> Bruns is giggling. Sorry. They did. They lost. They lost. Uh uh, not a good game. We'll, we'll put it that way. Um, maybe one of those situations where it's comical to me that on the third play for Nebraska offensively, Adrian Martinez is scrambling for dear life, heaves the ball up to nobody in the middle of the field. Stanley Morgan comes down with it. And you think to yourself, huh, they, they caught a break a little bit on one. Maybe it's their day. No, I definitely wasn't <laughs> thinking that based on the previous two plays. But you're thinking, oh, wow, they, they caught a break. And then was it one play, two plays later, you see Spielman who's just open the throw over yeah. the middle, batted in the air, 14 Michigan guys, which seems like it would be illegal. I don't think you can have that many people on the field. We're around and that yet ball. Michigan played with 14 all day on the field. Well, seems. that might explain Nebraska's offensive performance. Mm-hmm. It might also explain why the, the offensive line struggled to figure out where the pressure was coming from. Yeah. But not a not a good day for Nebraska. They lost something fifty six ten. Is that right? That was the score. Could have been was a lot it. worse. I thought I I thought we were staring at like a seventy something situation for a while. Yeah. Well, I mean, they played three quarterbacks. Yeah. I know. Har- When's the last time three quarterbacks have played against Nebraska in a non injury situation? That's the the stat I want to know. How about. many did Ohio State get? Ohio in? State probably did. Have they, they they got Joe Burrow in. Who else? They had to work to the last. Yeah. Especially in that 62-3 to three game. That I one. don't know. The I Tommy think, game? I thought it was yeah. just Burrow. I thought Burrow got those. So it was, it was like um, JT Barrett all the way through the third, and then Burrow got the fourth. I don't know, but I, I'll say this. I know Harbaugh was flinging it deep at the end of the half and stuff. He could have put a lot more on the board. I, I, I heard a few people were like, oh, yeah, they're going to – and I saw national people say, oh, Harbaugh remembered the game uh, from two years ago when Frost said they outhit Michigan. I was thinking, nah, he didn't really, I don't know, he kneeled it out at the end. I thought they could have put a lot more up there. Nebraska was that bad in the first half. They, frankly, were asking to get 70 hung on them. 
Yeah, I, I wouldn't argue that at all, especially when there was another coach in Harbaugh's own division that decided to pile on some points to make sure his team covered the spread despite no timeouts left for one uh, one other team that they happen to be playing. Are you are you familiar with this non-storyline that people immediately no. brought up? No, but I'm not. There's more non-storylines? Yeah, well, I mean, this this doesn't affect anybody at Nebraska. But okay, go ahead. Sorry. People were thinking that maybe Urban Meyer coming off his suspension wouldn't immediately go back to uh, there's no timeouts left for Tulane and they're at the six-yard line. Maybe we can just kneel it out. Nope. Plunging ahead, covering the points. There you go. Urban Meyer wants to beat the spread every time. Uh, according to this, in 2016, it was Barrett and Burrow were the only ones that had stats. I'm, I'm checking the participation chart to see if anybody <laughs> else got in that game. Yeah, the a, guy could have been a holder. We don't know if it's going to count. That's a thorough s- stat check by well, you. We're nothing if not thorough. A lot, of ne- a lot of Nebraska guys played in that game too, believe it or not. He's a good man and he's thorough. A little Big Lebowski. It's a good movie. All right. Well, is there anything else you want to add about that performance? Anything in the game that is worth – bringing up any particular play that left you wondering how did that happen here's a question there's obviously issues in there a a lot in that game are there issues that you saw in that game that you would say yeah that's probably a one-off thing like this particular part of nebraska's roster the way they performed whatever they had a bad day they were just outmanned by a michigan a michigan team or do you lean more towards these are long-term issues that they're going to have against Ohio State, Bethune-Cookman, Iowa, whoever? Um, I, I guess because we haven't seen enough of this. That's a good question. Of this team to consistently to say this is what they are. Uh, you know, they, they look great for 20 minutes against Colorado. They looked okay at times against Troy looked like garbage against Michigan the entire game. So what's what's a short-term thing that they're going to be able to crawl, like dig their way out of and a long-term fix that they're just going to have to live with? Well, I mean, I, there's several long-term fixes. Your dog is freaking out. Yeah, I don't know what's going on here. <laughs> Great podcast we got going. Yeah. So I don't know if we're still rolling or not, but I'll answer your question. We are still rolling. I've been informed oh, we're in the rolling. broadcast booth. Yes. So here's several things that come to mind. Mo Berry, Dedrick Young, multiple of the linebackers just not knowing the gaps that they're supposed to fill or filling the wrong gaps. We've seen that regardless of coach, regardless of defense. We've seen that from Mo Berry and Dedrick Young before. So that's concerning. Because those are the kind of things that you hope would be getting corrected or that you wouldn't run into for guys that have multiple game starters at this point. So that's one. Another one that I think is is long-term concerning is that your senior offensive lineman sitting in the middle of that line, whether it's Cole Conrad, whether it's Gerald Foster, whether it's Tanner Farmer, whether it's a guy in Brandon Hymas who's now started at least eight, nine games, couldn't determine an overloaded – defensive line on third down had no idea where the pressure was coming from despite the fact that three people are lined up basically in the gap of where the guard and the tackle are didn't didn't know it was there didn't shade any protection like that's a major concern to me because it has nothing to do with talent neither does the filling the wrong hole that has nothing to do with talent that's 
preparation and and doing your job when you're called upon. So those are concerns. And then everything that basically happened on special teams on Saturday remains a concern. So short term, I don't know. (laughs) There wasn't anything I saw short term where it's like, oh, yeah, that hasn't popped up. I mean, I think Adrian Martinez will be substantially better in almost every game of his career than he was against Michigan. So that's a short term thing. But some of those issues you you can't look at and think, oh, well, th- you know, that was just because they played a team that has five stars on it. No, it's not. There's, there's a lot of concerns that I have about just guys not even knowing when they're lined up what's going to happen. Like, that's, that's the kind of thing that you hope would get fixed, but we've seen it so much in recent years that you just wonder why you have different voices talking to them. Do you think it's just in the, it's, it's like rot in the walls? Like- I don't know, but you know, Mo Berry, and I, I really hate to single him out because I enjoy talking to him. I think that he, he, his heart is in the right place. The guy works as hard as anybody, but he had a disastrous, what first quarter, first half against Michigan. And these are like correctable things. Like you're supposed to know what gap assignment you have relative to the other linebackers. Like this wasn't, you know, he didn't get blown up by someone. No, he went to the wrong hole and created a freight train size thing for Higdon or whoever the running back was for Michigan to go through. If you guys remember what play I'm talking about, those are the kinds of things that you really shouldn't be have happening as, as often as Nebraska has in the last year. I'll be interested if, um, that linebacker, if you see more Honus this week, I think you saw him start to get thrown into it a little bit in that game. Um, Dedrick Young got benched at one point, it looked like, for a couple series. Um, I think the defense, if we're saying, okay, what could be fixed short term or what do I think has a better chance to bounce back, I would put my money actually on the the defense, even though that's a tough bet this week because they have a tougher matchup than Nebraska's offense does against Purdue's defense. But I feel like I feel like that group, at least the first two weeks, has put out more data that they can be like an aggressive group that can, you know, get some stuff done. I don't think they're going to be great. I think they can be okay. And I think they're a lot better than what they showed on Saturday. I, I guess if there's one encouraging thing, I agree with the take from some of the guys on defense that it wasn't that Michigan just completely manhandled them. Now they, they outstrength them. I mean, they, 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 they knocked them back a little bit, but it wasn't as bad as the other side of the ball. Now that was just, that was like your 17 year old brother against the seven year old brother, like watching Michigan's defensive line and Nebraska's offensive line do. And there, there was a play Bruns pointed out on social media right away they set up a screen pass that actually looks good. Like, everything about it was done the right way at the beginning. Ozigbo gets the ball. This should be like a 20-yard play at least, the way it was set up. There's three linemen. they got to block one Michigan linebacker. It's Devin Bush, who's a good player. But still, you got three guys to one. Get a hat on them, and you're go- you get a first down. Nobody makes touches them, I don't think, did they? And uh, ends up being, what, a two-yard gain on a screen pass that could have been a 20-yard gain. And it's just stuff like that where you're like, how does that happen? Were you guys surprised at all that Nebraska's defensive line struggled as much as they did 
against a, a Michigan offensive line that, by all accounts, wasn't having a good season? No, I mean, yes and no. I mean, I, I think that Michigan offensive line is probably better than what they'd show to start the season. I think that, you know, I think Michigan came into that game ready to to really kind of ram it down Nebraska's throat, to be honest. And, you know, I don't think up front that, that they got totally pushed around. I mean, they did at times, but, you know, the the missed assignments, I mean, you could see where there were gaps where nobody was there. Um, and it was pretty obvious that there was supposed to be somebody there. Um, so I, I think everybody kind of took a turn. I mean, I, yeah, they – you know, for a number of factors, I think the turnovers didn't help the defense much. But um, I'd kind of thought, though, that Nebraska's kind of strength in numbers, I guess, of keeping guys fresh would um, help them a little bit. But, I mean, it, it wasn't kind of like the beatdown that you saw last year at the hands of Wisconsin where it was just like, you know, four yards, six yards or whatever. I mean, Michigan just blew some holes open and they had the running backs to take advantage of that. Which is concerning because there's more teams like that than there are teams right. like Colorado on Nebraska's schedule. Right. But I, I, that's one of the short-term things. I think their defensive line is better than they played probably against Michigan. Um, I I look for them to be better against Purdue this week, in part because I think a big change is Carlos Davis is going to be playing in the nose tackle for the foreseeable future. Um, you know, we've talked a lot on this podcast, probably more than anybody else has, about Mick Stoltenberg and that nose tackle spot and what was going to happen there. Doesn't look like he's going to be back for a little bit. He got banged up in the Michigan game. He's been banged up all season. Mm-hmm. Damian Daniels, they like a lot, but they don't have him penciled in to play, you know, 50 reps a game because he's not consistent enough for him. And they think he's better in short bursts than he is over a long period of time. Puts a lot on on Carlos Davis, but I think that he can do that job. I mean, I, I really think that he gives you a little bit more explosiveness than what you get out of Stolenberg. You're giving up some size, but I don't think he's going to give up a whole lot of ground in the middle. I'm actually very curious what that's going to look like on Saturday. I think Nebraska's best defensive line combinations have not involved Mick Stoltenberg a lot this year. Yeah, uh, and it's just his knee; he can't hold right. up. So I, I think. I mean, I'll be curious to see how they do that, but I think Carlos Davis, or even you move you move Khalil over there, or something like that, for a few few snaps. I think it, they'll be all right there. Well, the uh, the cornerbacks are going to have to be really good in this game. I mean, this is going to be a game that'll challenge them on the outside. Blau, he's he's pretty accurate of late, and uh, we're gonna Lamar Jackson. You know, they're going to test him. There's some stuff on film that says. You still test that guy. And then I'm I'm interested, you talked to Travis Fisher, if, you know, Cam Taylor got in at the end there, and he, he loved Cam Taylor. This whole yeah. staff loves Cam Taylor. And I keep waiting for that moment when he gets put in over somebody. Uh, I don't think it's going to be Boodle. They like Boodle a lot. He's, played, he's been one of their better guys probably. Um, so you wonder when that happens. And you wonder when it happens with a few guys that are younger players. If if maybe Caleb Tanner is a guy they're starting to work more reps to. And Look for him to play more on Saturday yeah. than he has at any other point mm-hmm. this season. That's yeah. that's not even a bold prediction. I think that's a pretty 
No, they, I think they plan to get him in a lot. I think you're right, and I think, you know, if if you're gonna go down in flames, I'm not saying they're they're waving the white flag, but if you're sensing like, okay, this is gonna. Are be, they getting the flare guns out? Yeah, it, the SOS? at least looking where they are. Where are the flare guns? Like on this boat, you know, like trying to find them in the back cupboard. Someone's like kind of Mario Verduzco's kind of looking right now back there, see if he can get them. You know, and because, he's a flare gun guy. Well, you need somebody to go check it out, and I, I could see him knowing where it is. Um, so that you get out your flare guns and you, you say, We need to see, you know, what these guys look like when we shoot them into the sky. I guess <laughs> is it too early for the flare guns, though? I think it's too early for the flare guns. I'm saying you loc- you're locating them, you're like, Okay, these I didn't are... know you're such a preparation person, yeah. The, the, and the flare guns <laughs> may be behind you. Yeah. Don't forget that. <laughs> yeah, like, do they have it written down on the pad? Like, Just make sure you shoot it the right way, unlike Chip, the mascot, who shot that T-shirt cannon right in the old nuts. I can say that. Yeah, this is... You, you can say that. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So... We should talk about planes later, by the way. Okay, okay. we can do that. Yeah. We can... You guys got stories from your trip? A little bit. All right. Well, I'm excited about this. I don't know I anything. Don't, I don't even know where he's going. Yeah, I might, I might, but... Okay. We can talk about it later. So... We just gotten done talking flare guns. <laughs> well, uh, the young players. We're, I I just think we're gonna you're gonna see a few like three or four guys on the defense. I'm serious here. I, I you don't concede the season yet. I think if they win Saturday, it changes the tune a, a lot around here. I think people will look at it like okay, one and three, rough start. Wisconsin's gonna be tough, but it's kind of a house money game. No one's gonna expect them to do anything. They're gonna expect Michigan all over again. And in a way, that's kind of liberating for that for them. But they got to beat Purdue, and even if Wisconsin doesn't go well, it sets up in October, where you've got that Northwestern Minnesota's in trouble, and then Bethune Cookman stretch, and they got to run the table somehow. You got to figure yourself out by then, know who your guys are that you can count on, that love football, whatever you want to say, that can get you to four and four somehow, some way, even though a lot of people are doubting you can right now. Do you anticipate? A heavy dosage of wide receiver screens on Saturday mm-hmm. from Purdue. Yep. Because if there's one thing that I I feel like with Nebraska, and obviously Michigan found many different ways to attack, but one thing that I think you can certainly attack, they seem slow to get off of wide receiver screens. Like I mean, Lamar Jackson just hasn't really shown to me that he's going to get through a, a wide receiver blocking him a whole lot. And so if you're isolating Rondale Moore and you're running a lot of those wide receiver screens, their linebackers better be ready to go sideline to sideline because I don't know if you're going to get a lot of help from your your cornerbacks and contain there. I I think that's honestly every third down is going to be, to me, is Purdue just going to run a wide receiver screen here? Yeah, it's still the question I have with Lamar. I think Boodle's more of a physical corner. I do – I hope I'd love to see Lamar prove everybody wrong. Right. I, I think that'd be a great. He has moments where he's yeah. very, very solid player. There's a lot of skeptics about him, and I would love to see him take that step where because he's got so much like talent, and I, I, he's a guy who really wants it. I, I think he wants to be a good football player. Um, you know, maybe he's just, he's just got to show that physical side of it that that you haven't seen, and if yeah, if I'm. If I'm I'm not as near as smart about football as Jeff Brom, and I would I would certainly attack him. I I would think their staff is looking at that. Yeah, I just I don't anticipate that they have to attack Nebraska vertically as much as they do 
just get them running sideline to sideline a whole lot. And Rondale Moore, I mean, I know he's only played a few games, but watching him play Northwestern that first that first Thursday night, you're like, man, that kid's freaking good. He's he's a, he's something. Most exciting newcomer in the Big Ten. Yeah, he's he is uh, he's a he's a showcase guy. He I mean he's like some of these younger receivers Nebraska has. He's if if they could get like half or three fourths of what he is right now, you'd be pretty happy. Speaking of the young receivers for Nebraska, they will be playing their fourth game. And how many catches collectively do guys not name J.D. Spielman and Stanley Morgan have at this point? I can look it up. Like 12? If well, that, oh, well, that's high. Well, it's like five. Yeah, Is it five? High. It was, well, I mean, I was throwing in tight ends, I guess, too. Okay. There, but, All right, let me look. Uh, Williams had three going into Michigan. Lindsey had one. That was the – Lindsey caught a ball against Michigan, right? Woodyard get a catch? I'm going to look it up. I would say that's probably the single most disappointing thing to me. It has not borne its the, – the depth that we thought was going to be there yeah. with the wide receiver group has not borne itself out. There Troy, Troy Walters of... talked about that today. That He's basically guys who are not Stanley Morgan and J.D. Spielman every day after practice. He's posting what their production is. So it's a concern. I mean, a huge concern. Okay, so Morgan's got 13. Spielman's got 13. Mike Williams has three. Tyjon Lindsay now has three. That's it. Are we receivers. counting Wyatt Missouri as a wide receiver? Nope. So that's it's six. It, that's it for receivers. Yeah. That's terrible. Well, honest to God, that is terrible. Maurice Washington has six himself. Divino Zigbo has four. Yep. So running backs have like 12 total? Uh, let's see. Ten. Greg Bell have a catch? Thirteen, fourteen for the running backs. The guy to and Adrian Martinez has one. <laughs> Which that was a terrible call. <laughs> like that was a really bad call. Yeah, that that the offici- the officiating in that game was a bit suspect. It was it was poor all. Day well, long. it was Big Ten officiating, so I would say it was very on brand. It's not Pac-12 bad, but when you oh. when you redo a call. That was After seeing it on the big screen. It was the right call they made, but done completely inappropriately. Yeah. yeah. yeah that's uh I had forgotten about that the Adrian Martinez clearly didn't catch that ball. Yes. <laughs> Anyways. We'll we'll move on past that. that. Think about triggered. it though. Husker I'm football triggered. that that wouldn't at some point in us here football to be the type of play that would have been the talk all week because it would have like been a play that maybe decides the game you know like can you believe that and it was just like an afterthought it was such a it was so low on the things you thought about after that game the thing that didn't make it the most quintessential nebraska football play is that if it got batted at the line of scrimmage he goes up to catch it, realizes he doesn't want to catch it, bats it away, and then a Michigan guy just catches it and walks into the end zone. Mm-hmm. That would have been the most Nebraska of the last 10 years thing that's probably yeah. ever happened. He kind of did a volleyball, like an amateur volleyball move where you're not good at volleyball and you like... It's like a half set. Yeah, you kind of... <laughs> a double hit, I guess, yeah. would be a f- called. And So John Cook's not calling? Yeah, I mean, it, it was a double hit. That's what it was, but I don't think that results in what was called. But. Yeah. Uh, anything else from that game before we forget about it forever? 
sun came out in Michigan. I've never, I've never seen the it sun in Michigan. Beautiful Nobody, I don't think anybody cares about the sun. Be- it's a beautiful day. Yeah, it was a it was a great day for football. Unfortunately, there was no <laughs> football played. Uh, anything? Okay, so when I've looked at this Purdue team defensively, what areas do you think that they can attack Nebraska and and maybe cause issues for Nebraska's offense? Aside from just maybe the offensive line struggling as it has the last two weeks, that, that was going to be my answer. Don't don't shut well, down I my mean, answer. I, I want you to go a little bit deeper than just the offensive line. I think that they're going to make Adrian Martinez win this game with his arm. I think I think that they are going to basically try to shut down the running game in a similar fashion to what Michigan did and force Martinez and that line to pass protect and the milk carton wide receivers to to make catches because carton wide receivers they're not going to be very happy with you well i mean of course we don't have to request them if they don't ever make catches so that's true i mean like there's going to be a face-to-face moment anytime soon but i mean if if you're looking at at trying to reshape that roster and you brought all these guys in and it's the guys that that were already here that were are doing the bulk of the production is that is it not fair to to say that they have been a little underwhelming i think you can call them milk carton receivers all you want i'm just saying in previous experience of mentioning a players on a milk carton they don't appreciate it (laughs) but they'd have to agree mike mcneil was not very happy in 2009 when i mentioned that he was on the milk carton and wasn't being used did you say to his face no, I wrote it in a column oh, for the. I DM. didn't know if you phrased your your question like well, he, Mike. You kind of been on the milk cart in the last five weeks. No, I, okay. I didn't phrase it to him. <laughs> he just he let me know after practice one day that he didn't think that it was a very fair characterization. I also said that he went as the Invisible Man for Halloween, so that probably wasn't Whoa, great either. Geez. Just taking shots here. <laughs> hey, I mean, he, he disappeared for the season. Well, I was young. It you're wasn't. Like, it wasn't like, a very fair call. Like a young T.J. Simers. Yeah, <laughs> it really was. It was, it was bad. I don't write like that anymore. I'm much more professional now. Much more. You are. Somewhat. Except for Brunson over here just saying the exact same thing these years later about guys milk cartons. <laughs> I but I, I think He's that's right. what they're gonna do is I think they're gonna they're going to you're gonna run blitzes, you're gonna have those linebackers going downhill, and I think that they're gonna force Adrian Martinez to win the game with his arm. And you know Can he do it? That's the question. Well, I'm, I don't I'm know. asking you. I don't know. Can they protect him? I mean, that that's... Let's remove I don't know. Do you think he'll do it? I think this game he can because Purdue's pass defense is not very good. This is true. You should predict that on the hype cast. I should. Like a certain number. Yeah, I'll be very specific <laughs> about it. Will it be your bold prediction? It may. Hey, Brian, you should start thinking about a bold prediction now. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Aren't you excited to see adrian martinez a little bit in another game because i feel like this yes. is his second game i feel like this is his second game yeah. I, i'm a, i know where you're going with it and i'm 100 percent with you we've seen I, him play one stinking game so far so three quarters not even a full game how yeah. many plays into that game against michigan were you like yeah this is like the after it's 14 nothing I'd say oh, second, you gave it that long second possession mm-hmm. i think i gave him no 14 nothing and then i thought okay and, and then there's that part where... The scramble pass to me was like, yeah, this isn't going to go well. I, well, it looked like it was going to be rough early on. But I thought, well, you never know. Sometimes... You get settled. Yeah. They never and, got settled. And then it was 20 nothing, and the defense got a stop. They actually got two stops in a row that were okay. And then Tyjohn has the play 
grateful. And you're thinking, like, how can they figure out another way on special teams to be, you know, a train wreck here? So the special teams, I mean, that's something. Javon DeWitt spoke. I think you were over Yep. Uh, when he was talking. This is a guy that, you know, he's not afraid to, to talk and try to answer questions as it relates to what the issues are. You can tell he takes it pretty hard um, as to the, the lack of success. What did you learn from him this week? And do you anticipate any changes on special teams for Saturday? Yeah, the biggest thing I think we learned is to your question is, yes, I do think there's going to be some personnel changes. I, I think there's a few guys. I don't know exactly who they're going to be, and we need to probably dial in on it. Like that, That's become a storyline of this season. Like Who's out there? Who's getting replaced? You know, um, Do they go to more starters? He didn't get all into the specifics, but there's no question – a few guys are just making too many mistakes. And he he put it, I think, at one point as, I don't know if it's a question of if they can't or won't, but it's the same thing. You know, it, it's the same result. And, you know, Caleb Lightborn, to his credit, uh, took it on the, his shoulders for the long punt return. He said he placed the ball poorly, gave a great athlete all the field to work with. He's correct about that. But Javon DeWitt also said that's still no excuse. It shouldn't matter you obviously you want your punter to place it better but your other 10 guys can't um take that as like as like as like oh like oh, oh well we there's no way we could have tackled them after they are trying to do stuff though i mean even uh like urbach was the uh long mm-hmm. snapper chase urbach this would seem like such a minor thing within the game because it was such a blowout but it it speaks to kind of the the desperation jordan ober i think had tweaked his knee a little bit but also they put urbach in there because dewitt said they wanted a guy who could get down the field and cover better and so they're 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 exploring everywhere in the cupboard looking for answers because ober's your scholarship long snapper there that you went with a different guy and ober was on the travel roster too yeah yeah he was so he was available you normally they normally bring two long snappers right yeah, I just wondered if because he had tweaked his knee, I was thinking at as I was talking there, well, maybe he was too hurt to play. But he was on – they wouldn't have used a spot on him if he couldn't have played on the travel roster. If you had to bet right now who's Nebraska's emergency long snapper? Uh, oh, on a road game? I would say Damian Jackson. It's Damian it, Jackson. Well, it, yeah. I mean, I I think that's who they're they're trying. But in a road game, he wouldn't be on that roster. No, I don't know who it would be. Matt Masker probably. Yeah. We're going to have you do a couple emergency quarterback, emergency (laughs) long snapper, emergency holder. It's Cam. It's Cam Taylor. Everybody likes Cam and he's a versatile guy. (laughs) They do it because he, you get freed up so he could just run right down the field. Turns out to be really good at it. Yeah. I like that idea. I could see him wanting to do it too. (laughs) We'll ask him about that next week. I'm out of questions. I don't know what else to bring up. Well, you don't have to say anything more about that game. I was. Well, I already, I already tried that, but then I brought it back to it myself. So that's my bad. I always kind of have. There's a kind of a threshold that a game crosses where I, I kind of really file it in that. Wow, this is a really bad game category, and we've seen a fair amount of those in the last uh, ten years or so. You said that's a pretty big folder you got. It's, it's sizable, <laughs> about this thick. You uh, moving to a second folder? Not quite. When. At some point in the third quarter, whenever you lean over to the person sitting next to you and say, holy crap, there's still 15 more minutes of game time left in this game, that's kind of where I was. 
Yeah. With that one. It just, yeah, it wasn't in the press box, and I had the same thought. Yeah. <laughs> so, it's like, oh, wow. How are they How are they going to finish this thing and not have it look even worse yeah. than it already does? How is this going to be crawl-friendly? That that's become the thing. Crawl friendly. That you should you should please explain the terminology to our listeners that maybe don't understand it. Well, Brunt's it, it, it's basically where you know you you don't see the game, but you know four hours later you're you're getting kind of sleepy watching that Mountain West game on ESPN two, and you see the score crawl across the bottom of the screen, and it's you know Penn State fifty six, Nebraska thirty eight. That's not bad. I mean, yeah, that, cons- considering how the the game played out, I mean, it, it was a nineteen and a half point spread. It crawled well. That was a great moment in Husker crawl history. That was. So, so now <laughs> I want to know that late Jack Stoll <laughs> touchdown really made that one a good one. I think one. it was fifty six forty four. Yeah, whatever it ended up being. Yeah, it are looked there like other... it was a darn good. You're gonna like dust your hands You're off. Like, man, like, well, that, that's all right. That was an exciting game they played in Happy Valley. Are there other crawl? Crawl games that you can think of? Oh, there were there were a few during the Riley era that crawled probably better than what the game showed. I mean, even that the loss at home to Wisconsin last year, I think, was probably a little bit more crawl friendly. Well, first half, it was real crawl friendly. Than it actually ended up. Then Hornybrook threw one of his trademark interceptions to start the second half. A signature Hornybrook play. It was a signature Hornybrook play. They've had some bad crawls though. <laughs> this. Yeah, if we wanted to go the other way, and I gave, you know, top five worst crawls in Nebraska history. Well, I can... The Wisconsin-Nebraska 2012 yeah. Big Ten is number one. Well, yeah, that one in 62-3, to three and, you know... It's, is uh, that worse than the Kansas 2007 crawl? 76-39. Um, no, no, we're, we're real down. We're going down the Worst crawl. Think about it this way. When sixty two thirty six happened, people around here like didn't know what to do with it. That was like, can you, Im- what happened? Mm. And now that just seems like a kind of a good football game that got away at the end. What, wouldn't seventy to ten? I mean, that's probably the that, worst. That was the start of the bad crawls. What was seventy to ten? Texas Tech. Texas Tech. Uh, Bo right. Davis. That's right. That would be up. Threw them to the wolves. What does a good crawl look like on Saturday? Well, it's got to be, be a W. It's got to be a W? Yeah. It yeah. can't be like overtime loss? No, you, you can't. They need a W. Yeah, they need to, they need to Any sh- w? shift some narrative. Yeah, one yeah. So 30-29 is a, is a – That's a party. If in they downtown. win 10-9, that is that is a damn good crawl. Best crawl of the season. <laughs> All right. Well, I'm learning some things here. It's, uh, it's fascinating. Brian, I, I don't want yes, Mike. us – to finish <laughs> I don't want us to finish this podcast before you have an opportunity to uh, to get in a few thoughts about millennials or no we did that <laughs> even though you did you get any blowback on that by the way did anybody no I think because I, I didn't I didn't do my research well I didn't come prepared enough and I was so, poking some holes so I didn't have uh, I didn't have enough to throw out there that would hurt people but this week and I don't think we're going to do sock talk again, right? You're not yet. We'll get it to. Well, right. I, I didn't mean ever. I just meant this right. week. I don't want you to put my socks away for good. No, no. All right. The sock door is not locked. Uh, so, you you mentioned that there's there's some times where people want talk and they don't want talk. Oh yeah, yeah, that's true. And you had some thoughts. Yeah, I I just don't get these people. 
this grind this is like a grind these my gears. this is what these segments are i'm glad that grind you're your gears basically you say gears. these things and i'm like oh, i'm gonna throw this to him you know <laughs> some point in the podcast let him just cut loose okay it's the whole thing like oh coach coach is saying the same old same old you know why why are they even talking like like eric chenander should have come up this week and talked about guys loving the game and stuff like that and i people eric chenander just spent six minutes of his week doing it six minutes and he just gave a couple quotes and actually it wasn't out honestly coach speak what him and frost have said the last few days has been far from coach speak in fact scott frost said the roster needs to get overhauled basically did he not uh, in talking about the personnel you know and how they don't match up with michigan and so there's this idea like, oh, these guys are just saying the same old stuff. And I'm thinking to myself, no, they're not. I mean, you can choose to not read or whatever when the team is playing poorly. But the last thing this program needs is a lack of accountability when things are not going well. And I, that's why I appreciate that Husker football does it where coaches talk after wins and losses. And I mean, if – we, we hyped up all off season talking to coaches and this was all great. You, you got to be able to talk when you're on three too. And it shouldn't, yeah. it shouldn't be an issue for people. Well, I think that to me, the thing I don't understand is when someone's like, we don't want talk. We just want to see it. Well, the game is still six days away and you very clearly want talk because you're listening to this podcast. That's what we're doing. We're, we're providing the coverage of it. And the, there's also like the whole other side of it where there's the people who really want the answers as to what just happened out there. Mm-hmm. So you, we we got to be able to square the people who don't want the talk and they want just the action, and then the people who really want the answers. And we also kind of have to do our job, or otherwise, what are we doing? All action, less talk. <laughs> yeah, that's the <laughs> They play one game a week. There can't be any... You know, it's not like we're sneaking into practice and filming it for also, you. Also, this is a big... Which, can pro- we do that, Brunt? We cannot. This is a big project that's going on right now. This is... I know they're 0-3 and people are pissed off about it. It sucks that they're 0-3. But you got to look at this. Aren't you interested in hearing week to week like how guys who are in charge of this project are feeling about it as it goes along? You you have to look at it beyond a, the just this microscope on th- September. This is much bigger than September of 2017. It's, so you're it, looking for a little nuance, is what yeah, you're saying. Yeah, it's a building. It, we're, we're tracking a building process, you know? This is a... Do you think the framework is up? Yeah, that what we're looking at, we're, we're dictating, basically, you know, like what the house, is, how it's coming together. And right, unfortunately, a storm blew down all the, all the you know, to, and somebody stole all the wood. Was it Florence? What's that? Was it Florence? No, no. It was it was something else. Right. But do you have any thoughts on this analogy? That's a good analogy. I like it. I I don't, the framing is definitely not up yet. Um, they've probably poured the foundation, but are waiting for it to set. I think are it's we sure we're that the blueprint has been finalized? <laughs> like I don't even know if the materials have been purchased. Well, the wrong materials showed up. Some of them. <laughs> Some of the materials look okay. <laughs> still Some of these materials. Might have to get rid of. Do you think they underordered? <laughs> what? So what you're saying is they're using wood that's been kind of laying around the construction site for a while and finding that perhaps it's not what they thought it was. Could that that could be the case? So they need more custom items. Yeah, less driftwood. <laughs> less driftwood. But the some of that wood. You need some of that wood. 
Right. You need some of the wood. Is that the other wood? You have to use some of the You want the wood that really wants to be there, that loves the idea of being part of the framework and the foundation. That's the kind of wood that you want. Right. The, the, the other ones that are just tagging along for the ride, the steak eaters of the wood, if you will, you don't want them. That's true. Speaking well, of tagging <laughs> along for the ride. That was like a, sock, a different version of Segway. sock talk. Yeah, do you like that? A little bit. Speaking of tagging along for the ride, I got bumped up to first <laughs> class on the way back from oh, yeah. Michigan, and BC didn't. Yeah. Oh, man. And then you you said my face seeing you there was, was something else. He, so, I, I unbeknownst to me, got bumped up to first class on the flight from Detroit. Now, were you guys scheduled to sit next to each other on the no, flight? No, we, were, we were both back in coach, though. And uh, get called up to the desk. They give me the first class ticket. I get to go on the plane before everybody. Gets... Do you get to drink the champagne before, like out in the so this, the waiting area? Do they ha- just give you the champagne this and a little blanket? Happens. Or so I board and I'm settled in. I didn't have my eye mask on, or there was no hot towel yet. <laughs> and BC kind of comes around the corner on the jet bridge and sets one foot into the plane, and the the flight attendant stops him. Mm-hmm. Because she was taking an order from somebody in my row. And you, I audibly heard you say, oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> and it was because that person was trying to decide really hard between cran apple or apple juice, or cran apple or orange juice. And uh, the rest of the flight was glorious. But the, the look on your face was, was pretty priceless when you came around that corner. Now, was there a curtain that got pulled that separated you with... I don't know. I was too far The people forward. up front and BC with the unwashed. Was there a curtain? <laughs> I don't think so. We So we could kind I could kind of like crane my neck and be like, I wonder what Bruns is doing up yeah. there. How are the fresh baked cookies? <laughs> I had a fig bar and a banana because it was 6 a.m. It was great. Well... This is from Detroit to somewhere to Chicago. It was it was a forty five minute first class yeah. flight. You know what? That's when they make sure to bump you up. Is for the <laughs> I've had that happen too. The yeah. forty five minute. Oh, thanks. Yeah. Oh, we're already here. Great. Yeah. You should have walked back like curb your enthusiasm and tried to use our bathroom back in coach and saw what happened. <laughs> Would have got a little feisty. <laughs> what the hell are you doing back? There? Yeah, is it a thing? You, you would have seen you'd have seen Brunts walking by in the aisle. You'd have yelled, "Hey, somebody stop that guy!" Yeah, I would. I would have stopped him. And then Brunts would argue, "I'm a coach. I'm usually a coach guy. I'm very much a coach guy. I know what it's like to be in coach." I don't know. I was happy for you. I wasn't bitter or anything. And I and the girl who was taking her time ordering seemed like a sweet person. She was just like she had also got moved up. I think for the there first were, time. There in were her a life. lot of us that had no idea what we were doing. Yeah, up there. and so she was just like, I don't know. This is like, she she was just like thinking about all the possibilities, and I was just standing there with my just trying to get back to with your my two thousand eight Gator Bowl bag, <laughs> which I always travel with. <laughs> Uh, Nebraska's tied at Clemson right there. (laughs) Thinking about that Matt O'Hanlon play in the end zone. Knocked away a pass from C.J. Spiller. C.J. Spiller. (laughs) Very nice. I don't know if I could have named anybody else on that Clemson team. That's as deep as I can go. You look, though, if I were to describe you, you look like uh, Jerry – Seinfeld in the Seinfeld episode where uh, George is watching Mad About You with the, his his wife, and uh, Jerry's watching the Mets game, and it, the guy says, "You gotta love sports," and he's got like his feet kicked up and is just so happy that yeah. that was like you. Yep. 
Very nice. That, that, that was a story. I, it probably wasn't that good, but it was all right. Yeah. The, 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 I enjoyed the, it. The look was was <laughs> it was great. I'll never forget that look for you as long as you said you wanted it on video. Yeah, and you missed opportunity. I was too busy with my double fisting mimosas before we took <laughs> off. How many did you get down? None. Forty five minute I, flight. I had coffee. What a waste. I know. What a waste. All right. Well, we've hit on first class airline tickets. Talked about when you're allowed to talk and not talk. Discussed putting, the Michigan Putting up the game. house. The Husky <laughs> house. We've covered some ground today. I think so. I, I think that we're good. I, I don't know if there's a lot else to mention here. Is there anybody? Uh, oh, one thing that we should get in. Maurice Washington didn't practice Monday uh, or Tuesday, right? No, he did not. He was, did he, he practice today? I, I'm not sure. I, I can't say that for Sorry. sure. But he's, uh, he's here. Well, what, so, I mean, there's something obviously going on. Well, I mean, he, those guys took some big hits. I mean, it could be, I, I don't know. I mean, Wait, it, who? Maurice Washington. He, he's got, he's got GI issues. Yeah, that's what I was trying to get oh, to. okay, sorry. Yeah. Thanks for paying attention. Sorry, I was. Something flew by on the yeah. outdoors. Oh, blue car. <laughs> <laughs> All right, well. Uh, hopefully Nebraska's game is a little bit more exciting than blue cars that could be driving by when you're watching on Saturday. But uh, as always, we'll have all the coverage at Husker 24-7. Recruiting-wise, that's something we can get into. Oh, yeah. Oh, man, I almost cut people off from their ability to hear me bloviate about recruiting. Bloviate. Nebraska still has 17 commits. Not everybody has quit the class because they don't have any wins yet. They're still going to attempt to get people. I know that there were some questions as to whether they would even try to Recruit when they were 0-3, but they're, they're still going to put their best foot forward, it sounds like. They've got three people coming in this weekend. Quentin Newsom already committed to Nebraska, defensive back out of North Gwinnett down in Georgia. And then two guys that are committed to SEC schools, neither of which significantly better than Nebraska. So that, that's got to give you a little hope. Aaron Beasley, a defensive back for the Vols would be a linebacker for Nebraska and the kind of linebacker that Javon DeWitt, I think, excels in finding guys like this. He's a safety that's six foot, maybe six foot one, 230 pounds, hits, likes to hit, certainly could be pretty good in a system in which he gets to play linebacker, plays in space. You can have him in coverage. You can use him against tight ends or against slot receivers or against running backs. He's coming out for a visit. And then an offensive lineman, Nebraska needs him. They've got three committed. They're going to take at least five, maybe six. Jeremy James committed to Ole Miss, six foot five, two hundred seventy pounds. Could play inside, could play outside. Nebraska likes him, I think, as a tackle prospect with the ability that he could maybe move elsewhere, and he will be coming out for a visit too. So those three guys coming in this weekend. Newsom tweeted he has no concerns at all. He trusts the coaching staff. He's not going anywhere. Uh, he's fired up, I think, to come out for his official visit. That is your uh, your recruiting news at the moment. Nice. You did a nice job. Mm-hmm. Thank you. I appreciate that. Anything else that you would like to add recruiting-wise? Anything that I didn't cover or anything that you're wondering about? No, you said they're still going to get recruits. Yeah, so that's the plan. That was my big question. Yeah, no, they, I because know that... Anytime Nebraska doesn't have the level of success expected, there's always the concern that they'll stop recruiting entirely and fold the program. That is not what is going to be happening here this year. I have that on good authority. That's the Tennessee corollary, I believe it applies here, where you can be bad and still no matter how many times you have to talk about this, it still needs to get mentioned. Yeah. 
that they uh, intend to continue playing football and intend to bring in players to do That's it. That's a relief for all of us, really, when you think <laughs> I, about it. I think so. <laughs> I agree with that. All right. Now I will take us into the uh, the big close here. As always, you can catch everything at Husker 24-7. Nebraska plays at 2.30 on BTN, I believe. Yes. On Saturday. Kevin Kugler on the call. Kevin Kugler, local boy, on the call. I just repeated everything you said, but I threw in local boy, so and it Matt sounded Millen. a lot better. Is it Matt Millen? Is mm-hmm. the- Matt Millen, not local boy, also on the call. He uh, used to what be the GM of the Detroit Lions. Mm-hmm. That's exciting. This is ruining the clothes a little yeah. bit. Yeah, I don't, I don't really have anything else to add. Be sure to check out the website. Check out the coverage. We'll see if Nebraska gets a win. Listen to the hype cast on Friday. I am promising you, in the first 10 seconds of that hype cast, you will never be more hyped for a Nebraska game than that one. That is the promise I make to you. You want to catch that on Friday. It shall drop morning, afternoon. I don't know. We'll decide. But you will be hyped for at least those 10 seconds. After that, no promises. 